Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is Paul Gilleary. There he is. There's the guy. Uh, Not that guy, just this guy. Well, well, what could that guy be referring to? I don't even know. (laughs) It could be good. It could be bad. It could be indifferent. We don't know. We don't. It's whatever you guys out there want him to be, him being Paul. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't that guy at the show because I didn't make it to the show. God damn it. Unfortunately, could not get yeah. a babysitter to, 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 to work this out. Can you believe that? Anyway, guys, you did if, make it to the show. If you, well, we'll get to that in a, in a hot second, but I, I just want to put out there for all of our Los Angeles based listeners. If you're a babysitter and you love children under the age of, let's say three, four, whatever in that range, um, you know, it could behoove you to make some extra cash and uh help our friend Paul out when there are artists in town that he wants to see a concert of, like you know, I don't know, Eddie Vedder. So that could be cool. Think you know, clear your schedule out in May and June when they reschedule these form dates. Like, I hope are they ever yeah. gonna do that? <laughs> That'd be super. Um, but what Paul is referring to is uh this past Friday evening, myself and my wife attended Eddie Vedder and the Earthlings at the YouTube theater here in Los Angeles. Uh, I did meet, not meet, but I re-met uh, one of our faithful listeners, Karen from San Diego. Lovely to see you and your husband again. And um, handed out some lovely State of Love and Trust stickers. So if you'd like a sticker, just let us know and I'll send you one. Uh, so maybe some new listeners because of that. And uh, for for all of you that went to the show, we hope you enjoyed it. Um I hope you enjoyed it, and it was an interesting experience. It was cool to see out out there having a, a good time. You felt revitalized, which I think will make our way um, into the the final analysis of our of the Earthling record that we will be doing yep. today. And um, I will say that it was cool to see um, Stuart Copeland sit in on a couple songs at the very end. You know, he was um, he was talked about by by eddie throughout the show as if he was there and we we're like oh cool that, that'd be that's cool that Stewart's here and then he shows up at the very very end of the show they put message in a bottle and rock it in the free world with him uh ben montench played the b3 organ with the guys for a handful of songs uh if you don't know who that what that name is uh that would be the keyboardist for tom petty and the heartbreakers he's a heartbreaker and he was there <laughs> So it was a delightful show. Uh, the new song sounded great. Um, all the covers sounded great. So a good little appetizer um, for the Pearl Jam shows to come. But Paul, we are ready to finish our Earthling review, aren't we? We sure are. I'm excited. But before we do that, let's remind our faithful listeners to feed the algorithm. I was saving it for you. Rate, review, subscribe. All three of those things, yeah. Things. Yeah. And if we were on YouTube, you hit the bell icon, but we're not, so don't do that. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, Earthling, do you want to flip a coin for who goes first? Do you want to do it the opposite of what we did last time? Do you want to continue on what we did? Your, your choice. You tell me what you want to do. Uh, whatever works, man. It's, it, it, it's, it's neither here nor there, neither good nor evil. Oh, look at you. <laughs> it's just a master of segues. Look, look at you, master of segues. <laughs> All right. We'll switch it up. I'll go first this time. You carry right. the uh, the back end. Um, so everybody will then be able to forget my terrible take and, and remember your great take. That's <laughs> how I think of it, at least. All right. So let's get into Two track cut. number eight, which is Good and Evil. This is a heavily fuzzed out punk song. Uh, never not going to enjoy one of those. Uh, but let's dive a little bit deeper into this one. Uh, maybe I should back up a bit, though. What's up with the intro? Like... It's a bit of a sitar, like yeah, it's kind like of that. this weird dissonant. Just what is that? I, I I mean, it's a couple of notes, and then suddenly it just kind of bangs in. <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm not really sure what the reason is, but um, okay, whatever. No, no, no big deal. Uh, I'm getting a lot of MC vi- uh, MC vibe, MC five vibes um, with this one. Maybe a touch of Melvin's in there, which is cool. I'm down for it, and or up for it, down for it, or whatever makes sense. This is one of those songs that has no fat on it whatsoever. It's two and a half minutes of energy, which is great. The lyrics. I mean, the first thing I thought of when I read the lyrics was, and I'm not making this up, but this is just what happened to pop in my head. Kimberly Guilfoyle. <laughs> you might be asking myself, why am I thinking of Kimberly Guilfoyle? If you don't know who that is, uh, I regret to say, Google her. <laughs> uh, she, I think, is still the uh, girlfriend to Donald Trump Jr. Um, so... She's 12 years older than Don Jr., who's known to big game hunt in Africa, hence the safari line. Yeah, that's really on the nose, but everything else lines up too. Rich accommodations, deceived by her own lifestyle that she's anything but evil. I don't think the victim's blood thing is literal, of course, but you have this outro that has a bit of that Masters of War dark snark, which, let's be clear, is one of my favorite Ed moods. And I don't know why I love when Ed is like this, but I find a lot of joy in it. This is probably not about Kimberly Guilfoyle, and I, I hope it's not, but about her kind or, or any kind of um, rich and privileged who live their lives as if, as if everyone in the environment around them is made for them. I think there's plenty of room for songs like this today. And this song, um, it's, not, it's not deep, but it ticks a lot of boxes and the music fits the words. So for me, I'm going to give it a four. Solid, solid. What do you got? You no, know, uh, I'm just going back to that New York times article, Eddie reflecting back on songs like not for you and how some of those lyrics at the time came across kind of naive, at least mm-hmm. now, because they don't really amount to more than just rattling of cages. Right. So now he understands the value that came from working with those types of adversaries to fund various types of, of uh, measures of preservation, whether it was preserving rainforests or offsetting carbon emissions by planting trees for the number of, of you know, miles that they are on the road traveling, uh, putting the Ticketmaster fiasco into perspective by acknowledging that they were really young and naive at the time. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, they really believed that they could be this catalyst for change. By taking on the the the, the great uh, uh, I don't know what you want to call it um, monolith the monolith of of the of uh, of uh, God, I'm at a loss for words here ticketing um, I don't know I guess yeah ticketing I don't know what it is but Events? Uh, something like that entertainment <laughs> uh, but you know what being agitators that that maybe isn't the right way to go about doing it because it didn't work. But I think when we're young, we assume that that is the way that we need to do it mm-hmm. because it's just, just pure piss and vinegar and idealism. Uh, yeah. Idealism. But, but not just that. I mean, it's, it's just this energy that has to be directed somewhere. Now, musically, this type of a song, to me, it sounded like it could be a Matt Cameron song in a lot of ways. It has this, uh, mm. my father, son vibe with a little heavy punk overtone to it. And it, it's straight from the staccato vocal delivery and the fuzzy guitars and, I dug it, but I mean, it, it's, I, I didn't think it was the strongest song on the record at all. Actually, I don't even think it's the strongest rocker on the, uh, on the record. I don't want to say it's forgettable, but it, it, it's the most reminiscent of a Pearl Jam tune, I suppose. Mm. Um, I, don't, I, I guess I'd, I'd give it a three out of five, I suppose. Okay. It's a, on a good day. <laughs> okay. All right. So strong three. Got it. Well, <laughs> let's go into uh, Rose of Jericho. Uh, leave it to Eddie to write a song about a uh, about a moss. What's it's about a moss? Uh, thousands of years old to represent our battle against climate change and mankind's role in it, and and possibly also the fight for equality, equity, and justice for all in the face of neocons, authoritarianism, and the powerfully ignorant. Or at least that's what I thought of it. And I think as we are sitting in the middle of, uh, well, we are not, unfortunately, 
but there are people out there who are sitting in the middle of a uh, confrontation of this exact sort in uh, Eastern Europe. So um, right. a tip of the cap with those fighting the good fight over there. And I, I, I'll, I'll try and not get too deep into that, into this, into this show. Um, the Rose of Jericho is an actual plant. Didn't know that, by the way, until I Googled it. Uh, as I described in the first couple of verses, but I love that he's using it as a metaphor in this way. The idea that the good in our society cannot be extinguished no matter what is thrown at us is tremendous. There's a reason this comes after good and evil on the record, in my opinion. The chorus, a plea to pass on real information, real advice to better humanity in the face of all that bullshit is essential and wonderfully succinct. Those of us who fight the good fight cannot die. We must not be complacent or let those who wish to sow discord and chaos win. We must be like the Rose of Jericho and expertly and efficiently fight for what's right, even when the other side may have more money, more access and influence than us. A really strong, punky rock song, which again, I'm all for. I love how the raw... Um, guitars and bass sound. Um, Chad is a monster on this one, uh, on the kit. And I love his hi-hat work, especially. There's this fun stop-start uh, stop thing happening at the end of every bar where he kind of hits a cymbal on the upbeat. And this carries over to the end of each chorus which in a, in a repeated fashion, which is really, really fun. And this is just a, a, it's just a really fun... I keep using that word fun. It's, it's a really fun song with a creatively clever lyrics about something very serious. And what was that song Mary Poppins sang? A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Well, this is kind of that. And I really, really, really enjoy this. And I know I, I wrote my notes down before I saw it live, but it just emboldened my, at that point. I'm going four and a half. I fucking loved it, man. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Look, I, I'm, I had yet to hear these songs live, but I'm going to be honest with you. To me, Good and Evil, Rose, they're kind of interchangeable to me. Uh, not, not a one of them really stand out to me much at all. I think they're, they're solid, just, you know, driving punk rock songs. They got sweet hooks, pretty, pretty easy transitions, effective. But I, I didn't, I appreciate the maturity behind taking a punk song and being able to imbue a lot of the things that you just talked about, you know what I mean? The, the, the nuance, the complexity of human nature, the, the, the need to fight, to persist. I think all of that is admirable, but it, I think it's the genre of music itself that kind of boxes in a little bit of this. There's only, there's only how so, so much. How so? I, both are, both so are like punk much. songs and both of them aren't hitting for you. But I don't. I don't know. It's if you, not that they're yeah. not hitting. It's that it. I feel like there's 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 somewhat of a limit. There's a ceiling to what you can do with a punk song. There's there's only <laughs> so many dynamics you can explore within a punk song. It's it's different than some of Pearl Jam's. Uh, look, you look at some of the stuff on Gigaton, um, and and some of the things that we're about to talk about in the next couple of songs on Earthling mm -hmm. that I think just add a whole new spectrum of dynamic. Uh, progressive experimentalism, or or even callbacks to to some hallmark music in in uh, in music history, that to me allow extra layers. And so it's not that I don't appreciate. I, I feel like they, I feel like in in this album with these two songs, we pretty much maxed the bandwidth of what you can do with a punk song in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. at, at least in terms of of scope and in terms of. Um, uh, reach as far as, as the depth of meaning within the lyrics musically. I mean, it's a punk song. You know <laughs> They're fun, but I mean, four and a half to me is, is uh, like, like I said, I mean, if, if, if I'm giving it a four and a half or out of five, I'm saying that I'm strongly considering it at that point in time for, you know, it, it's, it's like rear view mirror borderline greatest hits type of a deal. So it's, it, it's just nowhere near that for me. I mean, but both of these songs to me at their best are a three out of five. That doesn't mean they're not quality songs. I mean, I think if you look at kind of the dad punk that we've talked about in the past, what is encouraging to me is I felt like they nailed it with Superblood Wolfmoon. And what I'm seeing here with Good and Evil and Rose of Jericho make me feel like if we continue to hear punk and Pearl Jam sound, which obviously we will, they're going to continue to hit the right notes moving forward. We're not going to get Olay. Uh, I think Mind Your Manners was a precursor to what we were going to start getting here, but now we're we're mixing 
the maturity of the lyrics and the content, the depth of human nature that's being mined with these songs. And musically, I think that we're, we're, we are kind of maxing out the bandwidth of what, what that genre of music can afford. So I appreciate that, but it's just, there's only so far I can take a punk song. So, I mean, three out of five for me. Do you think that, let me back up. What did, do you remember what you gave Super Blood Wolf, a Super Blood Wolf Moon? Oh, I think it was a four out of five. I, it was one of my favorite songs on the album, mostly because I, it, there's something about, uh, Okay, so you get the breakdown, right? Uh With Rose of Jericho towards the end of the song. Mm -hmm. And I think you get something similar in Super Blood Wolf Moon. There's just a, a, to me, there's a a stronger harmony to it. Hmm. Um, Obviously, there isn't a Mike McCready on these, either one of these. No, I mean, yeah, the blistering solo is definitely killer on on Super Blood. So it's, I I think it, it's just missing something that really elevates it beyond. Interesting. I don't want to say it's not a garden variety punk song. Don't get me wrong. I mean, See, I think I think Rose of Jericho as is as good a song as Super Bowl Wolfman. Ah, it falls short for me. I'm not a giant fan of the genre. I mean, I I, I enjoy punk. I mean, I, look, I punk from our generation was bands like uh, you know uh, Rancid, Offspring, Green Day, things like that. Before that, obviously, you had Sex Pistols and you know a lot of Ramones and things like that. So it's it, it's a, a story genre. But I think that if if you if you really look at how punk has evolved over the years and it's, it's become, I mean, green day kind of was able to figure out a way to make it very operatic at times. Mm. Um, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it's to me, there's just a, a ceiling to it is all. And, and was that's it, not it, a, I'm sorry. Is, is it, is it more of a feeling like, a, like almost like a, like an indelible feeling of that it's just not hitting up hitting a right yeah there there was something about the hooks in super blood wolf moon that i don't get with either of these two tracks interesting interesting they're they're, they're strong i mean it's you know you, you tap the toes and nod the head and i mean i i enjoyed listening to him in the car i wonder if my uh my predilection for raw uh, well it is i mean if, you know you, you like uh you're a big bit. fan of of um Whipping, you know, whipping. Yeah, it's a great example. I was about to cite that one. You that's, know, a, so that's a very good. You like habit. This. You know what I mean? There, yeah. there are certain songs throughout the catalog that I think that you enjoy more than I do, mm. and uh, th- those are great examples. So I'm not surprised that you you have Fair a enough. greater affinity for these songs. But I'm curious where you guys stand on this one because yeah, these two, and even going into the next song, um, which is try, which is another quick that one. I, I like a lot. We'll get we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get to that one. Hold on. Um, they yeah they're, they're quick to the they're to the point um and yeah when you're quick and to the point you've got to do a lot with it with with a little um which is i think one of the reasons why and not to harken back harken back on this or harp back on this um which is why i i think about seven o'clock at six minutes and it does very little for me in six minutes right. you have all this time to have something happen and it doesn't really go a lot of hope a whole lot of places um, dynamically speaking. So, um, and I think I, for me, it, I felt like, um, good and evil but to a greater degree, Rose, Rose Jericho did a lot, did as much as it could in those two and a half, three minutes in a way that I haven't, in a, with a feeling that I haven't felt from an Eddie Vedder, um, sung song in a while. So that's why I was at four and a half, but you're sitting at three, who knows? We might go up and down in the next couple of years, but okay, there we are. Let's go into try then. Uh, I will say this uh, for try, and you kind of tipped your hand a little bit, and I love that. Is there a more fun track on the record? No, no, there is not. The answer is no. It, it, it's the strongest rocker on there for me. It, it, it's another quickie, under three minutes, up tempo. I can't understand how you can listen to this track and not have a smile on your face. And that that that's that's just fantastic. I know I'm burying the lead a little bit here, but by God, Stevie Wonder on the harmonica. <laughs> Who knew he could he could he could thrash on the harmonica? He's never played a song this fast in, in, maybe in his life. Um, and it's not the quality of the harmonica, but it's the speed. Like I said, Eddie even said he's never heard anything uh, Stevie do anything like this. Well, he's done it, and wow, is it great. And it's these sorts of songs where ordinarily I wish the harmonica was a ripping guitar solo. 
each time, but 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 damn it, the novelty of the harmonica yeah. just this one time—it's just—it's great. Yeah. And I, and I'll and I'll detail from my notes by saying they played this on Friday. And if any, if any of you who've been out there who've seen this tour, be it in New Jersey, New York, Chicago, Seattle, uh, or in LA, or even in San Diego as we're taping this, um, it's uh, Andrew Watt on the guitar playing the solo. Not the same. Andrew's not a bad guitar player, but it's not oh. the same. Um, the harmonica lends a jovial lightheartedness to the solo that a guitar just doesn't for me. It's a great choice here. From what my monkey brain can gather about the lyrics, this might be about a woman accusing her man of cheating on her even though she, even though he didn't. He'll do anything to convince her to stay, maybe even beg for forgiveness, even though he's not done anything wrong. He's totally and endlessly in love with her and will do anything to keep her from saying goodbye. He'll fight for them because he knows they're meant to be and he thinks in her heart of hearts, she agrees. No, I could be that wrong. That rhymed. Well, thank you. Yeah. That's it. it did. Yes, it did. Um, yeah, I mean, it's possible that I'm wrong here. And, and like I said, muggy brain. So uh, I'm possibly oversimplifying it. But nevertheless, it's a really fun song. Simple, punky, Stevie friggin' Wonder crushing the harmonica. And oh, by the way, Ed sounds really, really good on this. So for me, it's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's an easy four, creeping on four and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the four as well. So, just a solid, solid song. Love that uh, the harmonica part of me in the beginning, and just it's his daughter, right? One, two, three, four. What the yeah, that Olivia? And she did it live too. Oh, Olivia, <laughs> it sounds so good though. It's just, it's it's so authentic. Mm-hmm. Everything about the song is so authentic. I'm not suggesting that there's a, a pretense or a pretentious nature to the, the prior two songs, but I, I feel like there there that there's an ambition with those two songs, which I admire that I think the music somewhat inhibits to a degree, whereas a hmm. song like this is just, it, it's perfect, perfectly packaged. So st- strong, strong four. Cool. All right, let's go to picture. Uh, so Elton John. Yeah. <laughs> let's just say it out front that he he's, he, I'm about to say that he's great, but everybody knows he's great. Oh, um, at least I think he's great. And um, this is one that's growing on me. Uh, I didn't really care for it too much at first. Neither did I. You know, it, I was kind of like, this is just sitting too far away from what Ed is used to doing. Um, and I know that's that's not a, a, a bad thing for you, per se, because you like when they go outside of the box. But it was just, it felt a little out of bounds at, at the beginning. It felt a little cheesy, um, but it's starting to wear off. Songs sound different when you listen to them with headphones on. Yeah. And that's that's what I do. I give it the car test, and then I give it the headphone test. If you watched Ed's interview with Bruce Springsteen, you'll know that this song is about, um, is written about a, a picture taken at Bruce's house of Ed and Jill, which might make it a strange song to have Ed duet with Ellen John. But hey, <laughs> if you can't, if you can get past the cognitive dissonance of that, you'll be fine. Um, there's a, there's a country twang in how the distorted guitars ring out, the loose drumming, and of course, how Elton tickles the ivories. But hey, it, it's just another song on the record that showcases all the different influences that Ed has. The second song in a row where Ed references a relationship and the love that deep and wide, deep and wide. I love that. I really like those adjectives too, deep and wide. I like that the lyrics here acknowledge the totality of love, too. Not just the good times, but the bad. And that despite it all, they live it together. And as they are in the photograph, side by side. And can we talk about the outro for a second? My word. You want to try and follow a punk song with a Stevie Wonder (laughs) ripping harmonica solo? You do it with a double-time rockabilly song with Elton John piano solo. That's what you do. Like, fuck me. (laughs) When's the last time you had an album have that much clout and rock and roll back to back? I don't know. I give it an easy four. Fun song. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, It's not a four for me yet. It's it's an ascending three. Uh, And I say that. Is it a three and a half? It's, you know, the, the chorus, I'm still getting my head around that one. What I, appreciate, 
Yeah, I, I like the I like like the callback to you know Elton's 1970s. Got that honky tonk, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. rock a boogie thing going on. So that I really appreciate. It's 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 just such a novelty what we're listening to. It's mm-hmm. fantastic, and like I said, the authenticity. It's not you're bringing in the dudes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you got Elton John, you got Stevie Wonder. It's not like oh we're doing it in the style of no. It, they're there. You know what I mean? It's so I really appreciate what's happening on these on these tracks it's very uplifting this one this duet and uh i think it's 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 taking me a while to like i said it keeps growing on me with every listen so i'm pretty confident it'll find its way into that that four stratosphere at some point but for now uh it's it's a very very solid three I, i enjoy it as much if not you know marginally more than than rose of jericho and, and good and evil i think it's a stronger composition that's for sure mm. and i think that's what i really appreciated about it uh you know whether whether it's what a great time to be a pearl jam fan whether you get these these talking <laughs> head influences with dance of the, the clairvoyance yeah. and then get stevie wonder on here uh with um with try just going ballistic on harmonica we got with this rock a boogie thing going on with Elton John. And then uh, my, my favorite experiment here is the one we're about Coming to talk up, yeah. about next. Yeah, which is by far I thought was the, the most interesting song on the album. And, and one that I think is going to leave a, a quite an indelible impact on, on anybody who, who allows it to. Before we get to that song, what, what were your thoughts on how Eddie's voice and Elton John's voice meshed? You know, it, I, I I like the like I said that honky tonk swagger that was going on there with the chorus. Um, there is a they're kind of in the same cadence and range with a lot they, of they the, are, the, and that and threw I, me for a while. It, it was solid. I know it, it was it was really solid. I was like, was they're, 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 they're almost too much in the same in the same space. Yeah, but then you start hearing I, differences I like where, where where yeah. So when they split up the verses. It was easier to differentiate that after a while it was easier for me to differentiate them in in the chorus because they sing the chorus right. essentially the same they're not harmonized i'm not gonna lie i kind of wish stevie had sang somewhere on uh on track oh, well of course you I, would I, you're I, you're I, a I, same there, person it, it, paul yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course you, i mean who, who wouldn't that would have been that would have been a bonus but uh yeah that, that very very solid song that is that has grown and is growing for you so I imagine it is for a lot of people, but I imagine a lot of people don't like it. So I'm curious what you guys think about about picture because I feel like it might be a bit of di- bit divisive, 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 divisive. Yeah. So uh, let me. You want to talk divisive? Let's get to the next song. <laughs> Mrs. Mills out down the hall. Okay, so yeah. we know what this one is about. Uh, Ed yeah. has told us that Mrs. Mills is the name of the piano at Abbey Road, a piano made famous by having everyone worth a damn play on it including the og gladys mills who was a pianist in the 60s and 70s she was affectionately and respectfully known as mrs mills and eventually the piano she played on at the studio was named after her it was a 1905 steinway vertigrand so that's the backstory which most of you probably know but some of you might not but that's the backstory but the brilliant part is that Ed decided to personify the piano as a woman and make it a track about women's empowerment and equality. And I have to say, once again, Ed has managed to be clever, make a point, and be just cheesy enough to be cute without going so far to make me want to vomit and roll my eyes. He just knows how to do it. And the music? I mean, come on. This is just classic Britpop. And why shouldn't it be? He's got fucking Ringo Starr yeah. on the drums. <laughs> it's the most Beatles song you could possibly write if you're not the goddamn Beatles. But there's yeah. one on the song anyway. Once again, no fat on this tune whatsoever. Every note is well placed and every word helps tell the story. The ivory is her flesh and bone. I, I love that line. Yeah. Another Ed influence box ticked and we're nearly done with the album. Easy four for me easy for for me as well i gotta tell you man when an avocado came out and i first heard parachutes it was alienating to me mm. it was an easy skip immediate for me mm-hmm. I, I was not in a place where i could truly appreciate that song and over time the more and more i started getting into the beatles 
I enjoyed them even back then, but I, I think I was more into their earlier stuff at the time. But really? the more I've come to, hold yeah, on, wait, believe wait, it or not, wait, I, just, I love the, the oldies. You know what I mean? Um, I see. I'm, that, I'm I'm the reverse. I've always much preferred the later stuff. Well, if you listen to a Hard Day's Night and Help, I mean those two albums I think are fantastic. But they're all very good. But that, that's eventually, yeah. I started to really, really dig into Revolver, Sgt. Mm, Pepper. That's where I'm at. Yeah, Abbey Road, all that stuff. White album, especially. And the more and the, the more I started to immerse myself in that, the more I would go back and listen to a song like um, Parachutes and, and just hear things that I didn't notice before. And it's not like they were doing things in the, in the studio that I didn't notice. It was just certain measures, the, 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 uh, the progressions that I maybe didn't notice because they were so far away from when I was used to with Pearl Jam that I don't think I, I was able to really give it a fair shake. Well, What's fascinating about this is Andrew Watt has the exact same piano that you'll find at Abbey Road. It's, mm -hmm. it's a replica, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. It's, well, it's not a replica. It actually is a 1905 Steinway. Oh, okay. Thank it's you. just Thank another you. one. It's just another one of them, yeah. right? So he yeah. goes out and he finds this this the same thing. And um, Eddie writes this lyric about this piano and how all these these musicians can have their way with her mm -hmm. right but she's never going to leave with any of them she stays where she is and you get that that kind of uh dual layer with, with with the lyric and the meaning because he starts naming all these people <laughs> who have played on mrs mills and he mentions mccartney and stevie wonder of course stevie has has come in and played on i believe the piano as has elton john at andrew watt's house Yes. So in a lot of ways, this is one of Andrew's favorite songs because in, in many ways, it's like an homage to his own studio. Yeah. And, you know, it's like he's like immortalizing. And the Billboard article talked about this. He, he mentioned this, as did uh, Josh Klinghoffer as well. There's this immortal, uh, immortalizing of the studio, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but more importantly than that, I love the just jaunts to this song. It's not... It, it, it's and with Ringo on there with the fill, it's it's totally recognizable. It, it, it's just such a fantastic song that harkens back to some some of the best stuff the Beatles had done. If, you, if you're really into that stuff, and uh, again, I mean, the, the, this is the, the the back third of the album is by far the most polarizing for sure. I could see a lot of people listening to this that maybe appreciate some of the earlier songs that we talked about last week, but maybe kind of find this the I don't want to call it the filler, but, you know, Ed just kind of living the dream and bringing in the cameos. But for me, this is where we get to see a side of Eddie Vedder that we've only seen shades of mm -hmm. through his solo stuff um, and, and his work with the band. And so it, it really seemed to come to fruition here in ways that we, we had only seen glimpses of in the past. So really, really appreciate it. Solid four out of five. It's uh you're right when you talk about only seeing shades because when when the guys the guys i, I say the guys the, the pearl jam guys when the guys are together and they they throw covers out there if it's i've got a feeling or if it's comfortably numb or if it's um throw your arms around me or or any of the influences that they have from all those different bands it feels like they're choosing the song that they all like and it, it's it's maybe some compromise, like, oh, I'd, I'd prefer to do this song, but we all like this song, so I'm going to do this one. Mrs. Mills' picture, Try, sound like Eddie's allowed to completely embrace, his, even, hell, Jesus Christ, long way, yeah. just uh, com completely embrace a particular influence and just dive headfirst and color the shit out of that, you know? And like I said, box ticked. His his Beatles influences are 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 on crack, obviously, on this song. And his Tom Petty stuff is on crack on Long Way. Yeah. The, the picture is basically Crocodile Rock version, you know, 2.6 or whatever the fuck. It's yeah. so you, you you can you can everything that he is is on this record. And I'll talk about it more in a little bit, but we, I, I want to make sure we we don't um pass over or dismiss the last track on the record on my way wow 
uh, I think we all know the Haunting. story here. Um, it, well, okay, I shouldn't say that. For those of you who are psychotic Pearl Jam fans, like 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 Paul and I, you will have read all the articles, you will have watched the interviews, and you'll probably know what the story is. Uh, very briefly, for those of you who have not had the time to do so, and I don't begrudge you for not having the time, Ed is given a CD of his father singing from decades ago. He was like a lounge singer, like a, like a bar singer, and very good. Um, he can't bring himself to even listen to this for a few months after receiving it. He's actually had like a like a Cubs like a winter camp in Arizona, and met a buddy who used to know his dad, and. Eventually, he listens to it, and he finds a way to pay tribute to the man that he asked years ago to release him from the pain. Finally, listens to this. Is this it? Is this the release? This song? Ed's father singing, I'll be on my way, around Ed singing curated lyrics from the rest of this album is just fantastic. He and his father truly took the long way to finally connect finally perhaps now when he asks the listener can you hear it's echo victor his father can finally hear it and finally ending on what started the album when we love we're invincible and this truly feels like ed is finally released and that is everything this is a very, very simple track. I don't know if you can even call it a song because there's not really any rhythm. There's hardly a melody. It's just kind of a thing. But this thing is so important for Ed and the perfect bookend to his first proper solo record. Uke Songs is a, is, is a thing. Into the Wild was a soundtrack for somebody else. This is him, 100%. And there's no better way to end it. Sorry, it's a four and a half out of five for me. It's it's damn near perfect way to end this record. You are a tough act to follow on this one. Go for uh, it. Try. No, man. I, you said it best. I think all, all I would be doing is just reiterating the, the, the wonderful salient points you just made. Completely agree. Uh, four and a half for me as well. It, it, it is a perfect bookend. It's a wonderful conclusion and a, a beautiful third act to what uh, introduced us in many ways to, to the man that is Edward Better uh, back in the 90s. I think that, uh, you know, there's the persona that we saw as, a, as an artist, and then there was sitting down and reading those lyrics and realizing, wait a minute, man, like, what happened to this guy? <laughs> um, and the more that we came to discover and learn about Eddie Vedder and this, the story of, of the man that was his father that he didn't know was his father until after the man had passed to be able to hear this guy's voice and sing on the same track. It, uh, it, it is, it is finally a true release. And uh, it's, uh, I can't listen to release without thinking of this anymore. And, and I love that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I think it's fantastic. And, and it, it feels like uh, this whole experience of recording for Eddie was so cathartic on so many levels. Say, say, and uh, yeah. I'm very excited to see, how this process will play out. And I cannot think of a better steward for the next record than Andrew Watt. So that's a great segue. Uh, I'm going to basically summarize. Um, we, we're at the end here, of course. Uh, my album rating is is a four out of five. I think it's a, it's a very, very solid offering, um, mostly because it ticks so many influential boxes for Ed in, 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 in great ways and not just like, I have to do this. He right. does it very well. And I know it's all organic the way this whole thing came together. Too. It is. And I love how it came together. Um, so quickly, I, I'm really happy with this album from, uh, from a production standpoint, from a, from a eclectic standpoint that really, like I said, takes so many of those Ed influences boxes, but most importantly, Ed sounds revitalized. He yeah. sounds hungry and excited by music and what he has to say. Gigaton, he sounded angry and sad and maybe a little hopeless, yet steadfast and not ready to quit. But he didn't sound like he was um, as excited for the next step. 
um, Earthling is a page turner. And to what you just said, because of how he was able to take so many boxes, feel revitalized in the writing process, and end the album the way that he did, I feel like he's closed a chapter that he needed to close to allow himself to get to a new level. And so for all those reasons, as a Pearl Jam fan on a Pearl Jam podcast, not an Eddie Vedder podcast, a Pearl Jam podcast, I am so fucking excited for the next thing. And you said it right. Andrew Watt is, I feel like, a divisive character because of, of all the different kinds of music that he that he's produced. And from the conversations that I've had with certain people, he is a certain he's certainly a confident young man. He's 31 and he has a right to be confident. Maybe a little too much. Who knows? I don't know the man. But from what we can piece together and how this record unfolded, and it seems like the guys are bought, other guys, the Pearl Jam guys, the guys we really care about are, are bought in. Paul, are you not excited? Over the moon, my friend. What, what, would, what would you give this whole album if you could give it a number? Uh, oh, probably three and a half to four out of five. So strong. Strong. I mean, the fact that the more I listen to it, the more I continue to in, enjoy it. And, and I think when I first listened to it, it would have been a three out of five. But, uh, but it's, yeah. it's, it's just the trajectory is, is pretty solid. I think it's going to land at four and it'll probably, probably stay there. And I don't see it ever going down from there. It's, you it's, know, it's a really solid effort. When we first heard, um, I'm just going to pick this song out of the, out of the blue because I, I still really enjoy it, especially having heard it in, in the live context. You were not too, um, too enamored with Brother of the Cloud? Has it has it grown for you in the last week? It has, actually, especially that ending. Um that 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 punky bridge breakdown that they have. I'm st- that one's still a little polarizing for me. I oh, dig okay. it, but it, it kind of takes me out of the song a bit. Um uh Invincible has really, really uh Dude, started to shine. I took a well. video of that at the show. It's on our Instagram right now, it's on our Facebook, guys. Yeah. It's that song is proper yeah it's a proper song some some good stuff happening here yeah so this is if this is a precursor to what what we could be seeing with uh the superpowers that are the rest of the band then, uh, <laughs> yeah i mean let's not let, <laughs> heaven help us <laughs> and, and, and you know again, in the best of ways <laughs> it's a pearl jam podcast it's not an eddie plus whoever podcast and, and not and we're not obviously disparaging anybody that was on stage this weekend or on the record because chris cheney's a badass chad smith's a badass Josh Klinghoffer is a badass. Andrew has proven himself to be a badass. Um, yeah. But Stone, Jeff, Matt, Mike, for us, there's one more level. Yeah. And I'm excited to see <laughs> it. There's a new boss to attempt to uh, conquer, and I can't wait for it. So uh, let's then move on to our Lyric of the Week. Well, it seems only fitting this week's lyric of the week. I feel, well, I think you felt, and it, you're damn right to say so. It has to be from 10 release. This this is a song that everybody has a strong attachment to. Talk to me about this. Well, I mean, I, I think every Pearl Jam listener connects with this song on a personal level. This and, and this is what's funny is that sometimes artists are reluctant to want to share what's behind mm-hmm. a song because they they want each listener to make his or her own meaning behind it. 
And what I love about release is everybody knows the story about this song, but you can still make it yours. You can still connect with the song. I go back to that, that uh, wonderful fan that we saw on the Pearl Jam uh, uh, Let's Play 2. Remember? Mm-hmm. I forget the gentleman's name now. Uh, um, uh, John Evans. Thank you, Evans. Dr. John uh, Evans. He's a, he's, a, he's a doctor in Chicago. There you go. Great example yeah. of how, how somebody was able to make that his own, even though it's very, very uniquely Eddie. And uh, so just to, to anyone who makes music, you can, you can be honest about what a song is about. That's not going to stop somebody else from still making that song his or her own. Uh, there's no need for the ambiguity. I think uh, letting the listener in, if, if anything, just further embellishes the, the real sentiments behind the song. And so for this particular set of lyrics, uh, you know, to, to, to reference what you said, perfect bookend, right? This was the, the closing song of 10. And it was this, this anguished, tormented uh, soul that felt this perpetual need to be released. Uh, I'll hold the pain, release me. And uh, he held it for a long time, a long time. And uh, it's really, really uplifting and heartwarming. And um, in many ways, euphoric, I think, on a human level for anybody who, who has felt inspired by this band to be able to hear this singer uh, truly feel that sense of release uh, and for it to be manifested on a track with his father singing with him. So uh, I, I just could, I could not end a conversation about earthling with the final notes on that being on my way without referencing this song. So uh, we have, we have yet to do a live version of re- release yet. And uh, I could not think of a more appropriate time for it than now. Yeah. We, um, to let you guys behind the curtain, uh, once again, um, you know, we go through, we have a whole Google sheet that lists all the songs and who the songwriters are, both lyrically and musically. And uh, we try and be very, um, uh, I guess, varied from week to week and bounce around the catalog and not stay in one spot too long. And, you know, try and be, you know, we'll be at Backspray Show, we'll be at 10, we'll be at Lightning Bolt, we'll be at Riot Axe. You kind of just bounce around. And it it just kind of worked out that we hadn't been to the 10 era in a while. And it coincided with having a song like On My Way in our rever- review purview. And uh, you very smartly chose this song. And it was, it, you know, it hadn't been chosen yet. So it was there for the taking. And um, so for me, I mean, if I, I have not lost my father. He, he's still um, um, among us. However, I've seen what this song does to those who have, and you mentioned Dr. John Evans, who, by the way, if you don't follow him on Instagram, he's an an incredibly smart guy and a very kind man who has um, put out some salient information uh, in regarding, in regards to into COVID and how we should all kind of view these things. And he has a very um, personal connection to it. Um, He even talked about his own, um, a uh, positive test uh, of that, but just speaking from a, from a personal point of view, being someone who's in the thick of it, it's just nice because I think you know, my wife will attest Pearl Jam fans are a different breed of people and we love it. And we experienced it on our Australian round table. They give it to you straight and it's like a family. And so if he's out there, give me the goods, I'm going to buy in. And when he brought us the goods and how he reacted to the song Ed and Pearl Jam sang it to him back in 2016 in Chicago that's how you knew it was real. Um, if you didn't already know, and there, there's a complete submission to the idea of what Ed's father son relationship could have been, should have been an acknowledgement and acceptance that he is, he must be just like his father. At least he's piecing it together from what little he does know or remember about him. Remember, this is 1991 that he's writing this. An acknowledgement, um, a plea, a desperate question. Can you see me now? Now. Like he's been trying for his father to see him for a while. This is the greatest attempt at communicating with his dad. Maybe his final one. It wasn't. But at the time, it felt like that. Like this, all the energy he can muster anymore. The fact that he's willing to ride the ups and downs means Ed is all in. He is committed to seeing it through, seeing his life through, perhaps, 
to hold on to the pain of not knowing, missing his father until they meet again, one assumes in the afterlife. Only then will Ed be released from the pain he holds, or so he thought. Such a powerful song, simple imagery, but powerful. And the two talk about this song on the heels of On My Way, you see the circle complete. And it's, it, it, for me at least, it'll make this song that much better seeing it live going forward. And I can't fucking wait. Yeah. Let's now check out our favorite version of this song in our live cut of the week. Ready? Well, we had we had some trouble figuring out what the best one was. We, we were we had some we, we did. I, you know what? The, yeah, I got it. Um, there's that the Atlanta '94 version is outstanding. Uh, Honolulu '92, adore that version. Uh, big fan of Live at the Moore Vault number one, and uh, all of those are easy, easy contenders and strong arguments for for any of those. But uh, the one that I think you and I landed on uh, is, is uh, Tivoli, Live at Utrecht. Down in Holland, March 4th, 1992, which is my birthday. I wasn't born in 92, but I was born on March 4th. So <laughs> once again, a circle complete. <laughs> Yet another circle complete. Uh, okay, I guess we're going to Ut- Utrecht, 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 Netherlands. I'm, we'll be corrected by somebody. Yeah, March 4th, 1992.
This one is um. This was uh, so we listened to the finalists that you mentioned. Obviously, Atlanta was not available because it was a couple of years too late. But um, listen to the more, listen to Honolulu, listen to Utrecht. Um, yeah, you could have picked any of them really, but uh, for some reason, Utrecht stood out for me. There was a way that the band kind of sits in the pocket perfectly for Ed to do his thing. And, and much in the same way that the best version of black for me, at least was Mike embellishing only when necessary. He fills in the gaps only when he needs to and allows the song to breathe for Ed to sing it as well as I've ever heard him sing it. So I got to say now that they've recorded on my way, or Eddie Hess, I should say. I can't wait to hear them play release because I wanna wanna see how that this this whole experience manifests itself in in his performance of that song. So, I wonder, will release change in the same way, or I should say, a similar way that that Alive did? There you go. Yeah, we 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 turned a corner with Alive past yeah. past Roskilde. I wonder if we turn a corner with a, with release where it becomes a we're all in this together we can beat this kind of thing as opposed to I'm harboring pain yeah. kind of thing. I'm curious if the lyrics change. Possibly as well. Yeah, I'm very interested to find out. So but but but, but for now this 1992 oh, <laughs> boy, prime Eddie. Prime prime all right, guys. There you go. That's that's the show. Uh, man, it felt like it just went by like like that. But um, there it is. There's our our part two uh, review of Earthling, Eddie's solo record. Obviously now available. Go get it if you don't already. Of course you already have. What am I talking about? Um, curious to know what you guys think of not only our our review. Um, did you like our reviews? Did you do you agree or or what do you think? Um, how did you place this on, on the five? the five star scale and uh and what do you think of release i mean of course you love release but how do you really think about it now in the context curious love the conversation keep it going on instagram on twitter on facebook we will be with you next week i don't know what we're talking about paul what are we gonna talk about i don't know we got it we got a whole week to figure out how to wing it like we always do <laughs> Uh, if they only knew. If they only knew how these topics come together sometimes last minute. But you know what? They're still, for me, they're all gold. I love them nonetheless. They're, all, oh, they're on my children. Isn't that, isn't that a, sh- a song or a show? All my children? Which one? Well, yeah, that was a uh, soap opera. Soap opera. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're, we're going off the deep end if we're somehow referencing soap operas. Okay. The all right. <laughs> Here we go. All right. Well, and, until, until next week when we talk about uh, the bold and the beautiful. <laughs> and the young and the restless. <laughs> You've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. 